All right, welcome to the MBHS HealthCast. Um, this is our first live Facebook Live session. You're going to look over there the whole time, aren't well, you? Well, probably because we actually have somebody recording us, which is a little abnormal for us, but I think it's, it's exciting that we can you know, be in real time when we have our interviews today. So yeah. I'm, I'm really excited um, to be here. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Tolio, in case you've never seen him before but only heard yes. his voice. Everybody knows us. We have to introduce our guests. <laughs> yes. So many. Absolutely. So if you guys actually want to introduce yourselves, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, my name is uh, Robert Machel, currently the uh, Sheriff of Oneida County. Uh, I've been a police officer for uh, just over 30 years, and I've been the sheriff uh, currently in my ninth year as, as the sheriff of Oneida County. Um, again, this is a very important topic to me um, on several different levels. But uh, certainly, uh, I welcome you to the sheriff's office. I know it's kind of neat that you're in a, a mobile location, but we're happy to have you here. And I uh, look forward to uh, to my first ever podcast. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So excited to, to be here. And Dr. Wickline. Hi, I'm Andrew Wickline. Uh, I've been here for 17 years. I've uh, known Rob for at least 15 or 16 of those years. Now, how'd that uh, happen? N not by illicit means, right? You weren't locked up here. <laughs> no. Actually, uh, I met him. Uh, my dad, when he was alive, was one of oh, Dr. Really? Rickline's patients. Nice. Yeah. yeah and that's he, good. he did. He's an awesome guy and uh, helped our family actually through a couple different difficult times. So Very good. Yeah. In any event, uh, I'm pleased to uh, be here. This is a, a huge topic for me, uh, the opioid uh, crisis, and uh, particularly in our community. You know, things have to, uh, from my standpoint, you can't wait for some other, some other entity or agency to get it done. If you want something done, you need to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's been evidence in my practice. And uh, just like with uh, Rob's work here, you know, you have to have, be boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in 2019, we're, we're, my personal goal is to make a huge impact in our community. Yeah, excellent point. So, you know, you referenced it, Dr. Wickline. We're going to talk about opioids today, mm -hmm. right? But a little bit more about you, just so that the listeners and, and viewers understand sort of where you're coming from. You are an orthopedic surgeon, right? Right. I, uh, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I've uh, been here for 17 years. Yep. I do hip and knee replacement. Yeah. So and, joint replacements. Uh, yeah. Joint replacements, yeah. that's correct. And um, we've developed over the last three years an opioid-free and opioid-sparing uh, process that mm -hmm. uh gets rid of the vast majority of opioids that we used to have to use in the past. Mm -hmm. So, for example, approximately 40% of patients don't need any opioids post-operatively, and 75% uh, use five pills or less. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the, you know, the recent data, just even in Dallas at the Hip and Knee Society, some surgeons are still talking about 60, 100, 150 pills. Um, in my mind, that's crazy, and that, that's risky, and that's creating uh, potential addicts mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and, and putting people in, in harm's way. So again, I've seen the dramatic improvement uh, in the complication rate by getting rid of the opioids mm -hmm. and uh, and just happier patients. Yeah. So again, uh, when I, I would like to bring that to our community. Mm -hmm. So a little bit more about opioids because we keep using that word, right? Some people may not be familiar with what opioids means, right? right? Because we use a lot of different words. Sometimes we'll say narcotics, right? In general, most people are familiar with common prescription medications like hydrocodone, oxycodone, morphine, in some cases methadone, right? Opioids technically include illicit drugs like heroin as well, right? They're very closely related. Um, some of our listeners may have actually seen billboards locally in the area that talk about the treatment of children with sports injuries and saying, would you give your child heroin for, you know, a knee injury, right? Um, but they are. They're very closely linked. And um, you reference your goals to reduce the amount of medicine you use in taking care of the surgical patients you treat. Can you talk to us a little bit more about 
sort of why we're at that point now and why we're focusing on reducing that amount of medicine? Because I'll tell you anecdotally, a lot of us as physicians believe that we created a big problem here, right? We were over-prescribing pain medicines, essentially. So, absolutely. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, prescriber. Prescribers are responsible for anywhere between 60 and 80% of the, of the Percocets, the oxycodones that are mm -hmm. on the street. And, uh, however, it was the, the federal government and uh, the local governments that told us that we, we had to control pain and we didn't have a mm -hmm. lot of other options. And that if we didn't control pain, then we could get sued. Mm -hmm. So it created a real uh, catch-22. If yeah. I don't control the pain when the patient comes in, then I can be sued. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I think that's where there was a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, you know, from my standpoint... Uh, opioids should be the last choice to control pain and you should really uh, educate patients ahead of time mm -hmm. whether it's a tooth extraction or um, a total joint replacement uh, education is really the key mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, finding ways to to really not use those medications at all yeah yeah and setting realistic goals for patients too right, i would right. add um yeah. you know i am a family physician i don't get to do surgery like you do but a lot of times it's important for us to have these discussions with our patients with the community to set again, realistic goals, because we had a lot of patients coming in with the pressure from the government on True. us as a healthcare system to make sure we were adequately addressing pain. Right. And oftentimes my experience was people would come in thinking my pain should be zero, right? Now, most of us know, I mean, I'm in pain right now. My back aches just on a regular basis. So that's a little bit unrealistic. And when you're trying to achieve those very lofty and somewhat unreasonable goals, it pushes sometimes prescribers to do a little bit more than they otherwise would, right? Right. So the the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons just came out with a consensus statement mm -hmm. that we should not use opioids, so Percocet, Oxycodone, Tramadol, at all for really? uh, osteoarthritis treatment, period. Uh, you know, perhaps uh, uh, one or two doses if someone comes in in acute pain in the emergency mm -hmm. room, maybe with a... Uh, um, an arthritis that created a little fracture or something like that. Well, that might make sense, but the position of the academy is this is uh, it's a mistake. It just gets yeah. people hooked on those medications, and it's not treating the problem. Yeah. And and the biggest thing that I see is that then those patients then become addicted. So so here's a, an alarming statistic: even a one day prescription can lead to a five percent risk of becoming really? uh, addicted to the medication. Wow. That's scary. A five-day uh, prescription, depending on who you read, three and five days, mm -hmm. can lead to a 20% permanently addicted wow. patient. Right? So that, that, that's a wow. small number of pills, right? Mm -hmm. right. And, and I'd like to speak to, to, to Rob about that. You know, what I see and what I hear about uh, from other uh, police uh, uh, enforcement officials throughout mm -hmm. the nation is that that people will get hooked on those things, and then they need, then they're not getting a big enough high, that's and so correct. that's where they, the, it's the gateway to heroin yes. and and uh, you know and fentanyl and these other kind of things that are coming into that is uh, our communities. And the, mm -hmm. the one thing we we see a lot is that high you're referring to. Yeah, they're chasing that, and they never mm -hmm. get that. You know, they never get to the point where they want to where they want to be. Yeah. Um. And and again, this this unlike so many other drugs and in, in phases we've gone through bath salts or synthetic this yeah, or synthetic that, that those were all quick mm -hmm. this is a long lasting epidemic yeah. i mean i don't like using that word well, a lot of but people we are seeing it. it affect all walks of life mm -hmm. old young rich poor it's not that you know uh, when i first started you could look at someone and you could kind of mm -hmm. determine what type of drug they were using just by the way they looked yeah. and it's not the case with with, with heroin and uh, yeah. we're just seeing devastating effects 
Um, you know, not only obviously the, the, the people that are dying from the overdoses, mm-hmm. but the families who become victims, you know, the ones that lose their loved ones or the ones that their, their loved ones who are addicted are breaking into homes. They're doing robberies. They're, yeah. uh, you know, and, and again, you know, we have a, a, a quite large, our, our correctional facility here is a 632-bed jail, um, and 75% of our people that are in this facility, 75%, are in here either for directly on drug-related charges or indirect charges. When I say indirect, I mean it's that heroin addict who has to commit a burglary or Mm -hmm. do a robbery to get their money for their drugs, and they end up getting caught. So it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty sad when, like I said, three-quarters of our population is is directly or indirectly linked to to some type of addiction, and in most cases, if not all cases, it's it's heroin. Um, you know, so we, it, it's a struggle for us on so many different fronts, um, you know, and, and we're, we're trying to tackle it in many different ways. Um, and it's just, it's very frustrating because we don't seem to be making any headway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you have an idea or sort of a estimate in your mind as to, you know, how much of the issue you see might be related to prescription medications? Because that's really where, you know, gentlemen like us can make a difference and, pushing changes in prescribing habits. Well, most of them, when I say most, I don't have an exact number because, yeah. again, when we do surveys and we do uh, work with inmates here, it's all on a voluntary basis. Yeah. Not all yeah. of them cooperate. And most of our answers to all of our questions are, are uh, based on them willing to answer our questions. So yeah. uh, sometimes there's there's some difficulty getting answers from, from the folks with us. Um, but the, the, the biggest challenge we see is the fact that these people, uh, whether it's someone who was in a car accident and had severe mm-hmm. pain and was given a prescription and then the prescription's done and yeah. they, they need to turn to illegal drugs to, to get that. So, I mean, that's that's probably one of the most common things that we're seeing is yeah. this began with some type of prescription at some type of level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and again, like I said, we, we did, it, the devastating effects, and I'm talking, the most important one to me, obviously, is human life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a, on a budgetary side of the house, I'm getting crushed with with the financial end of, of the heroin over uh, heroin yeah. epidemic. Just mm-hmm. even example in the correctional facility, anyone that comes in that is a heroin user or has used heroin within the past 30 days, they go into mm-hmm. a constant supervision part in the inside the jail yeah. because the, in our world they're they're a suicide risk mm-hmm. with, with withdrawals. So we have one correction officer watching one inmate 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year alone, I spent five hundred thousand dollars. Over budget, just in overtime, paying officers to watch people who are heroin users. Wow! You know, and again, that's yeah. the on my scale of things. That's at the very bottom, but it's mm-hmm. a huge thing, and I can't I can't overlook it. Yeah. Um, certainly, human life, the loss of human life is the most important thing. Yeah. And um, I, I've had so many conversations. I remember one not too long ago. I was coming back from Albany on the throughway. I had a parent on the phone, a father, an adult man, mm-hmm. lost his son to a heroin overdose. Good people, good family. Yeah. Uh, great upbringing, all the right things, you know, and I'm a father too, and you're doing all the right things, and he's t- he's blaming himself because his son overdosed, and he's on the phone crying to me, and and he doesn't know what he did wrong, or yeah. he doesn't know what him and his wife did wrong, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to explain to them, you didn't do anything wrong, I mean, but it's just, um, so it's, it's it's just a sad, sad, yeah. sad thing that we deal with on, on, if, on a regular, if not daily basis. 70,000 people in the U.S. died last year. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just a, a, a devastating number, mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's, I mean, yeah. that, that's more than the population of the city of Utica. There's only 65,000 people in Utica. That's more than, yeah. and that, that wipes out the whole city at one, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, they're, they're gone, yeah. you know, and, and um, so, you know, we've, we've tried to take a, a unique approach here because obviously we have a full-time narcotics unit here. Mm-hmm. They work tirelessly. I have undercovers, three undercover guys. It's all they do. They're great guys, but we can't arrest our way out of this problem. It yeah. is part of what we sure. do. 
that is part of it. We can't arrest mm -hmm. our way out of this. We try the education approach. I mean, we've mm -hmm. got our foot in the door in multiple schools throughout the entire county, not only with our own school resource officer programs, but we're partnering with uh, the Center for Family Life and Recovery. We're going in teaching kids at a young age, and we want to mm -hmm. sort of mirroring the D.A.R.E. program. I'm yeah, a former yeah. D.A.R.E. officer from years ago, and that's kind of moved on, program, but, yeah. but it was a great program when it existed. So we're taking the educational effect. We're dealing yeah. with that, and again, that's another portion. Yeah. And then some of the other things we're doing, uh, every deputy that works at the sheriff's office uniform deputy is trained and equipped with narcan yeah um, we have multiple saves as does yep. you know our partners at the utica police department the Rome police yep. department believe it or not there mm -hmm. are critics out there who tell us don't do that I because if why. you yeah. you know i mean first and foremost our job is to save human life so mm -hmm. i could care less about the circumstances but that person yeah. on the ground is someone's son or daughter husband or wife yeah our job is to save people that, exactly. that's it we don't care how they got in this predicament mm -hmm. we're here to save them but narcan is an amazing thing yeah uh, i've seen it bring back people who yeah. we assumed were and not for there. those that are not familiar with narcan yes can you explain it you could probably explain <laughs> it better than i i know it works Happy i've to, seen it work yeah essentially in, in its simplest form narcan reverses the effects of right. the opiates right so if you have an overdose on heroin or any of the other drugs we're mentioning administering narcan should block that effect and essentially bring people right. back and, I, and i've seen it do amazing things the, the thing we're the problem we're finding and there was one last night i was not on the call but i heard the call they had to give an individual three doses of narcan yeah. before it worked mm -hmm. which we're seeing more and more of that you know and and, and uh what we're trying to do is track start to track what we're doing yeah. and um we just became part of a, a nationwide program it's called od mapping overdose yep. mapping we're law enforcement anytime we have any type of overdose mm -hmm. mainly we're dealing with heroin but any type of overdose intentional or accidental legal or illegal whatever the case may be we call in this information to a hotline Mm -hmm. And it's tracked. So anytime, and specifically in Oneida County, because we have a uh, opioid task force that I co-chair along with the district attorney and the county executive, and there's a lot of people underneath us that do all the, the hands-on work. But we get an alert if there's more than five overdoses within a 24-hour period. Um, so that, you know, for a couple of reasons. If there's a bad batch of heroin coming through or heroin coming through laced with fentanyl or yeah. something going on that, that, you know, we want to be able to notify the public. Maybe there'll be a heroin user that mm -hmm. will see this alert and maybe yeah. that'll save their life I, I don't know maybe the, it'll reach a family member who can make sure they're they're armed and equipped with narcan if their loved one happens to overdose mm -hmm. you know we're trying to take any approach we can yeah um and the frustrating part for us because a lot of these folks do end up in our correctional facility um, from all the studies we've read and all the people we've worked with long-term treatment is mm -hmm. defined as in this case we're talking years of treatment to mm -hmm. get an addict mm -hmm. off of off of heroin yeah. Um, yeah. or opiates opioids but an, a typical insurance policy will cover 30 days of treatment. Now, if the experts are saying you need years of treatment and your yeah. insurance company typically would cover 30 mm -hmm. days of treatment, where are we going here? It's this, it's yeah. this constant revolving yeah. door. And we see folks that leave our facility, that walk out this front door, and a couple days later, they're in the back door again. You yeah. know, On a positive note, at least they're alive. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, not, all, not all of them make it. You yeah. know? So it's, it's, just, it's pretty scary. And like yeah, I said, that's definitely. why we're referring to this as an epidemic. We've never seen anything is. like it. To put it in a little bit more perspective, I looked through some of the national vital statistics data. So, you know, the data that the government tracks to say, you know, what's killing our citizens, right, if you want to think of it that way. We talk a lot about breast cancer in healthcare. You know, we have big pink ribbon campaigns. Right around 2016 is when the shift started to happen, but breast cancer is now killing probably as many people or even fewer people than these prescription drugs, these opiates right now. So, you know, we have these gigantic campaigns 
about breast cancer and awareness and all these people really focusing, participating, trying to drive change there. The impact of breast cancer on our nation is the same as the impact of the issue we're talking about today. Same with high blood pressure. People with high blood pressure, they'll die at about the same rate as the people who are using these medications. So this issue is on the same level as a lot of other really key issues for us in healthcare. So I think epidemic's a very appropriate right. term. Well, you know, so again, that's where where I just really feel very strongly that yeah. uh, we need to do more prevention. Prevention yes. is really that's key. Bring that up. Yeah. And so first of all, my goal this year is to have all the prescribers in our community come up, I, w- I would like to de- develop a, this is the number of pills, the maximum and minimum number of pills necessary for, say, the 100 most yeah. common procedures, right? Yeah. Uh, and let's let's start getting the excess off the, the street. Mm-hmm. There's good data showing that between two-thirds and uh, I think upwards of uh, 75% that, of patients who say they receive medication for a knee replacement, they keep that medication right. on their shelf in case yeah. they might need it for the future. Yeah. And uh, I know that my office can do a better job about educating patients. We, mm-hmm. we have it in our Swift Path book uh, so that uh, they know where to dispose of it. But, but it's, it's very clear how many places now. All of yes. your, I mean, essentially mo- most of the sheriff's uh, units. Yes, in- we have medical drop boxes for anyone, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. 24-hour lobby here at the sheriff's office on Judd yeah. Road in Ariskany. Lobby of the Utica Police Department, lobby of the Rome Police Department, uh, up north in the uh, town of Trenton uh, um, Municipal Building, yeah. down south, the Village of Waterville Municipal mm-hmm. Building. These are boxes that are available. Residents can go up. It's a, it's a box, opens up like a mailbox. You drop your unused meds mm-hmm. down there, no questions asked. Yeah. In law enforcement, it's under lock and key, but we, we uh, retrieve that on a regular basis. Yeah. We seal it up, and it's destroyed. And uh, it's a great way to get. And, I, you know, I wish I knew. That. I, I can't remember the number, but I think last year we took in 1,600 pounds. Wow of uh, unused oh, medication. A lot of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. And the Mohawk Valley Health System will be doing the same shortly. Mm-hmm. We um, will have similar drop boxes in both of our emergency departments and outside of our urgent care at Faxton Hospital. So yes. um, it's good that we can now start participating there too. And I'm glad you bring so, up prevention, Andrew. I apologize for interrupting. But um, one of the things I wanted to make clear as we're talking today is guys like you and I, we're not going to start looking at patients and saying, you need to be in pain, you need to suffer. That's not the goal here, right? We're trying to fix a bigger issue while still providing the quality of care that our patients deserve. So I don't want people to listen to this getting the wrong impression that I don't want my mom to have hip surgery now because she's going to be in pain. We have a lot of things besides these pain medicines that we can do. So, you know, if you had thoughts on that, I would curious so yeah a couple things uh so just first on on our last point about getting rid of the medication uh, i would ask uh, anyone in in our greater mohawk valley region if mom or dad or you or your kids have pills in in the cabinet please get rid of them today it might be the difference between you losing your child or uh, a relative because Mm -hmm. you didn't get them out of the house I have a number of patients myself that have told me these terrible stories, and uh, they they they're kicking themselves. They say, "Geez, I wish I'd, yeah. if I'd just did it. If I'd just got rid of that stuff, I didn't realize." But I'm telling you that this is in our schools. It's you know, it's in every song that's being played. Every other song is, yeah. you know, I'm gonna get some Percocet, some oxycodone, some Molly, uh, and it's it, it's kind of glamorized. And that's how your 14 year old is getting gonna get hooked on the stuff. And that's how your 14 year old ultimately uh, may no longer be with you. So I implore anyone listening to today's podcast to. Get that stuff off the shelf and get it to one of the drop boxes. From that, you know, yeah. I really want to make sure we drive that point home today. We should yeah. start today with that, getting rid of that stuff. Mm-hmm. In terms of what, what else you can do, so 
Again, there's some great data out there showing that what we call multimodal uh, pain techniques. So mm -hmm. blocking the nerve before it ever uh, becomes uh, painful, long-acting blocks, cryoablation, radiofrequency ablation. There's, there's many ways to actually yeah. turn the nerve off without using a narcotic and actually it's better pain relief. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is most patients who say they take the narcotics will actually say, Doc, I, I took it, but it really didn't help me that much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think there's multiple other ways, yeah. uh, <coughs> non-narcotic means to, yeah. to help control pain. But I would agree with you occasionally you know i'm not saying that you can't use opioids yeah but the data is pretty clear there's a lot of other great options mm -hmm. that we should be using first yeah and correct me if i'm wrong but even so in your case technique can sometimes play an impact too right so again i i, I created a method where uh we we decrease the amount of forceful therapy after surgery mm -hmm. that in the, in the past was just so difficult for patients and I've gotten rid of that for the 92% yeah. of patients. So mm -hmm. if there's there's less pain, you don't, you don't exactly. need a narcotic. Yeah. And again, I think it's just the education. If you explain to a patient what their risk of becoming addicted is, mm -hmm. and you explain to them, I'm going to do these other things for you instead of that, yeah. most of those patients will say, geez, doc, I didn't realize that. I really appreciate what you're doing for, for me yeah. and my family. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. I, I implore the other surgeons and uh, dentists in our area that prescribe this medication Think uh, strongly about how many pills you're giving. Yeah. Most of the time, the patients don't need it at all, and, and if they do, maybe a night's worth or a couple days worth at maximum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we work through these initiatives with you know our fellow prescribers, I think it's also important for listeners to know you can speak up, right? If you have a physician, nurse practitioner, PA who's taking care of you, and they offer you medications you don't need or don't think you want, it's okay to say no. Sure. I've seen a lot of patients just simply take prescriptions because this is what doc gave me. Mm -hmm. And you know, by creating this awareness, I'm hopeful that we can get the listeners, our patients in the community to follow along here so that we're pushing the prescribers to change their habits on both you know, the physician end and on the patient end. And toward that end, we have two ongoing studies in my uh, practice, both for hip replacement and knee replacement, mm -hmm. Uh, showing that, like I said, what we're seeing already is 75% use five pills or less. That's and, and, and again, three months ago at the uh, Hip and Knee Society, they're suggesting 60, 100, 150. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, if, if so that's why I'm doing the study. I'm going to yeah. show the rest of the country why. Why do we have the lowest complication rate in the state? Because we, we're educating patients, we're yeah. optimizing them, and we're actually, we're, we're pulling back on all those opioids. The opioids yeah. are one of the biggest culprits here. Mm -hmm. So I think the other providers in the area, whether it's a general surgeon or a dentist or an oral surgeon, can potentially see uh, happier patients too if yeah. they really think about some of the other options. Yeah. And I'm very willing to meet with any physician or other uh, oral surgeon, etc. Anybody wants to talk to me about uh, our success and mm -hmm. how I think they, I could help them with their practice, happy to do it. Yeah. And I'm glad you referenced your complication rates, because I think that adds credence to this conversation, right? Listeners need to know that you, know, you are one of the busiest joint surgeons in the state of New York. Correct. You have excellent outcomes with all your patients. I'm sure your patient satisfaction scores are very high too, right? Correct. So we're talking about a surgeon who is able to do a truly excellent job in caring for his patients without having to lean on these medications. So. So again, so it's it's proof. You, everyone yeah. wants proof. Well, how am I going to do it? Yeah. So that's why I'm saying I am available. You want mm -hmm. to? Uh, you, you can call me. You can call MBHS. Call my office. My secretary, uh, my personal assistant, uh, will be happy to uh, get a time where I can talk to you on the phone. Mm -hmm. I do two hours of commute a day, so I'm happy to talk to people to go over what we're doing and mm -hmm. listen to uh, what issues you might have getting the opioids out of your practice. Is there a number you'd prefer people to call if they were trying to get hold of you? So my office is seven three five four four nine six. So 
And Lori Lynn is my personal assistant. She'd be happy to arrange a time for me to, to talk to other prescribers in the area about how to make a change. And it's been such a great change in my practice. I no longer have those patients who are angry and, and mm-hmm. uh, because because they're not addicted to the medication. Yeah. You probably see it, right? There's oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, um, we, we try to think outside the box and yeah. how to deal with this. Well, we need to. Yeah. And, and the one thing I wanted to mention real quick about the OD mapping, mm-hmm. um, one of the other things that happens with OD mapping, when my deputies get the uh, name and address and mm-hmm. whatnot of the, of the person who overdosed, yeah. we take that information, we share that information, because we can as law enforcement, yeah. we share it with a certified peer group. Mm-hmm. Um, and what will happen is, if depending on the time of day and the day of the week, peer support without law enforcement will actually go to the person's home, the address that we have wow. for them, knock on the door, and if they're willing to talk, they'll talk mm-hmm. to them, they'll give them referrals for counseling, they'll give them uh, options. Um, if, that, if, if nothing less, they'll, they'll share information with them as to you know, where they can get help. Yeah. Um, and we, just this weekend alone, yeah. that's why I wanted to share this, we had four individuals who overdosed in the past week, but this weekend alone, they all agreed to go to start counseling. Whether they'll succeed or that's not, we great. don't know. This is brand new. We just started yeah, this. That's a great so program. part of that, um, because yeah. we're not, we're as law enforcement, we're sharing this with with these peer, su- peer yeah. support groups. And uh, again, there's no strings attached. If you want to slam the yeah. door in their face, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But at least we're taking it that extra step. And they were real excited. Yeah. We we had our briefing on Monday, and they said this weekend we have four people entering into counseling. So that's we're hoping next week when yeah. we get briefed again, they'll tell us that they're still. Sticking with the counseling, yep. but um, that's that's kind of neat. Just Fingers trying, crossed, trying yeah. to try something yeah. different. One of the other things that I find that uh, is very helpful for the prescribers in the area is the eye stop. I must say, oh, yeah. I must say, really, when that first came out from New York State, I thought, boy, another burdensome paperwork and you know, uh, yeah. difficult process. So to but, explain what it is, yeah, that's, yeah, go yeah, on. Go the state of New York mandated a couple years ago. I don't remember exactly remember when that. it was that we as prescribers have to log in to a state-sponsored, state-monitored program, enter patient information, and that system will basically give us a list of all the controlled medications, so the potentially addictive medications that have been prescribed to that patient in the past, I want to say it's six months. Might even be a year. Might be longer than that, yeah. Um, So now we have to, in the act of planning on prescribing these medications, check back and see what else people have been prescribed. So I I find it to be very helpful. I require that my patients stop the narcotics uh, preoperatively. Just like stopping smoking improves Mm -hmm. your postoperative risk, Mm -hmm. actually stopping narcotics may improve your postoperative complications as well. And I can find out. I can find out if they've gotten narcotic, at least from a a legal means, Mm -hmm. anywhere in the state. So I find that to be very helpful. So I do want to thank any lawmakers who are involved with that. I do want to say that one was a win. I think that really helps us. Yeah. The other big win in the state was um, there was some legislation passed probably a year or two ago now where um, we're limited in the amount of medication that we can actually prescribe initially to a patient. A lot of times patient would come into emergency department, urgent care, and be given a large number of opiates for treatment of whatever their injury might be. We're now limited to a seven-day prescription. So by helping control amounts there, it's going right along the lines with what you're yeah. recommending. Yeah, I hope to see that go down as we talked about, you yeah. know, three and five day, even a single, one day prescription, 5% yeah. addiction risk. Wow. That, it's, that's crazy wow. how, yeah. but in yeah. any event, from my standpoint, I'm really happy that uh, yeah. you guys were willing to, to help yeah. spearhead this. Sure. Mm-hmm. Again, my goals are to inform providers of, and, mm-hmm. and create a community standard for, of, of minimum and maximum, and then yeah. to, to let people know that 
you may not think it, but you you know your child or your friend's child. Yeah. These are things that are happening in schools. You talk yeah. to school counselors. We have several friends that are guidance counselors in the middle school and the high school. This is happening in middle school. Yeah, it's yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is not a it's not going to happen to me situation. Correct. You can't just wish this away. You know, yeah. teens. Yeah. That's what teens do. They mm-hmm. do their best to to challenge authority. They're trying to learn to be an adult. And yeah. some of that is testing, and uh, sure and, and a lot of it. Right, right. Oh yeah, right. I mean, this. Yeah, you see exactly. what I'm saying? This. I'm not making yeah. this up. No, right? yeah. not at all. Not you know. And and just real quick on the program that that, that Dr. Wickline just mentioned. Yeah. Um, the one trend we are seeing that we've never seen before is mm-hmm. folks who will call in reports that their meds were stolen. Oh yeah. And they need a police report before their doctor can reissue that prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very reluctant to do that, you know. Yeah. We want to help people, especially when they're victims of crimes. Yeah. But unless there is clear evidence that a burglary or a larceny took mm-hmm. place, we're not going to take a report yeah. because we can instinct a lot of times will tell us that, yeah. you know, what wow, this person's a drug addict and they're just they're lying to us yeah. to get a report so mm-hmm. they can give it to their doctor because it's yeah. rare that someone's going to go into a house. And the only thing they're going to take yeah. is that bottle of prescription mm-hmm. meds. It's yeah. not. It's not going to happen. But it's sad yeah. because we can see people how desperate they are. I mean, they're they're yeah. when they get addicted, they're they're yeah. desperate. They're willing to. And to add, you know, the few circumstances I have seen where that's been the case, it's usually mm-hmm. been loved ones. Yeah. Right. I've taken exactly. care of patients yes. where mm-hmm. their yep. daughters, mothers, cousins have been in the house and have broken into parts of the house yep. to obtain just to take the meds. Yep. Yeah. Before I forget. Know from the sheriff's office perspective, is there anywhere we can direct listeners for you know more information on these sorts of things? Sure. If they want to learn more about absolutely, the we have community affairs unit here at the sheriff's office. We have several programs uh, available. I mean, we will go out to schools, which we are mm-hmm. doing. We'll go to community groups, church groups. So if there's anyone out there that wants us to, we don't care what the target audience is, young, yeah. old, whatever. Uh, we go out, we provide statistics, things to be on the lookout for, for parents. We actually, again, working with CFLR, they have a mock kid's bedroom that they'll set up. Really? And they'll plant things in the bedroom. And you send the parent in to see if you can find things in your kid's own your own child's bedroom that... Yeah, might signal they're That's using neat. drugs, and it's just kind of a, a different approach. But if there's any any group out there that would like a presentation from us, you can contact our community affairs unit three one five seven six five two seven seven nine, and yeah. um, uh, also you can go to our website Oneida County Sheriff all one word dot us. And uh, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, that's that right, I think. <laughs> yep. And we, um, we can post all this information sure. on our social media yep. after. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Really? This has been such a such a great discussion. I know. I can't believe it. The time yeah. just flew right by. Well, before we stop. Sure. We, we I will share on behalf of everybody here that the discussion can't stop now. Right? Our podcast is going to end now. But, right. you know, this is definitely something where it's going to take a village. Right? Absolutely. I, I will personally thank the two of you for all the efforts you're putting towards yes, this because this you. is something that's been very important to me for years. And, you know, I can't say how happy I am that gentlemen like you are spearheading this effort. But we need everyone in this community, not just our physicians and not just our law enforcement, but every citizen to be conscious of this and advocating for support in combat of this epidemic. Right. Thank you. I appreciate everyone uh, meeting with this, and hopefully we'll do a, a similar event in the near future. Yeah. Again, uh, uh, yeah. please lock those things up or get rid of them. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for everyone who tuned into our Facebook Live. Uh, be sure to follow our podcast on iTunes. We are on Spotify and SoundCloud.